Welcome to the show. Great to be with you. Paul George, Deacon Adam Conkin, studio. Recording again, man. Again. Here we are. For the 100 and... Nope, 218th time. Officially. Officially. Yeah. Dude, is there an unofficial mm, number I don't know about? <laughs> there's probably shows that we probably threw away that we lost count of. Maybe so. You know, who who knows? Who so, knows? So anyway, welcome to the show. Thanks for listening in on the radio, KLFT, or on the podcast, wherever you are. We've been having some listener feedback we want to get to. Good feedback. Funny feedback. Yeah, we don't share the bad feedback. Yeah. We're not humble enough yet. So anyway, I feel like I'm just waking up. It's Thursday of the week. I, I got back late Sunday night. Yeah? How'd that go? From a trip. So you were in Virginia, right? Yeah. Well, you have you ever gone somewhere and ended up where you you didn't somewhere that you never thought you were going? Like it yeah. Okay, look, I travel so much and I can only hold so many details in my head. So I know That's where true. I like I know where I'm flying to. Like, you mm-hmm. know, like there's the airports that I'm going to. Okay. And I know what I'm going to do. So I'm going to do this conference or this retreat or whatever, and and then I know what talks I'm planning. By the time I do all that, I'm like, whatever. You pick me up and we're going wherever. Okay. So I fly to Virginia, Norfolk, Virginia, mm-hmm. which is outside of Virginia Beach. This guy named Harry picks me up, who I've never met. Sounds fishy. <laughs> he, he texts me. He's like, hey, this is Harold, a.k.a. Harry. Okay. You so know? he's already got two names. And That's then he's fishy. like, I'm, yeah. wearing a, I'm wearing a purple shirt and... Uh, you know, I'll be picking you up. So, so a guy that, with two names in a purple shirt. Yep. That, that's all I it's know. It's fishy so far. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I get in the car. He's like, yeah, we got a couple hour drive. We're going to the Outer Banks. And you didn't know that. I didn't, didn't yeah. know. You know, we're going to the Outer Banks of North Carolina. So we're driving oh, for wow. two hours. Yeah. So were I, you expecting to be in North Carolina at all? It was probably in an email, but it, I don't really <laughs> care like <laughs> right. where, like what facility the conference is in. I just right, know right. that I got to go. Like, I don't have a choice. Yeah. But it is funny how, you know, like if somebody asks you, where are you traveling to? And you'll say Virginia. Do you feel like you lied to those people now? Because sort you- of. <laughs> I've lied to myself. Yeah. I thought I was going to be in Virginia. You know, my poor wife, she's like, where are you? I'm in North Carolina. She's like, what? Exactly. Like, literally. She's like, you're in no What? <laughs> like, I am actually on the Outer Banks of North Carolina. And I have these weird... I don't know if anybody listening has these, like in your mind, you start having these like weird stories. Like I start like thinking of like this movie oh, yeah. in my mind, like Harry's a murderer. <laughs> I don't know him. He's going to pick me up. He's driving me now to the Outer Banks, which I didn't know. He's going to bury me out there. My family yeah. will never see me. I'm, and I have this whole movie scene in my mind going on as I'm like in the car with him. Yeah, and getting ready to go speak at a conference. Yeah, and his girlfriend's in the back seat, sunglasses on, doesn't talk, just kind of staring at me. I'm like, at any moment, <laughs> any moment, I, I could, I could be dead. Well, did you think like, do I have any enemies that would have arranged this? Or I'm having all sorts of things. Okay, yeah, you know. Yeah, I, I do things like that too. Years ago, way before it was right around. Yeah, I mean, before like smartphones and internet, like. You know, you had cell phones, but it wasn't like, you know. So I'm flying to Detroit to do a conference. This is like probably early 2000s. Mm, okay. Okay. And so I tell my wife, I tell Gretchen, hey, I'm going to Detroit to do a conference, whatever. They just pick me up and I just show up and here's what I'm going to do. They pick me up and they're like, hey, you good? A uh, couple hour drive? I was like, excuse me? 
They're like, uh, yeah, yeah, the uh, conference is in Canada. Oh, wow. And I didn't, like, there was no way to, like, call, like, I get to Canada, you know, I email Gretchen. And I was like, hey, I'm in Canada, <laughs> just in case I come up missing. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that, I mean. And, that, I, and I know most people are listening and be like, how'd you not know? And I'm like, I look. Well, the the airport you're flying into is is a main detail to latch onto. Mm-hmm. I get that. Like I'm flying into Detroit, right? So the conference is somewhere around Detroit. It's got to be. I get that. Yeah. But man, to leave the country, not knowing you would, mm-hmm. that's a big deal. Yeah, and this was back. You know, I haven't crossed the border into Canada in a long time. Um, but this was back when all you need was your driver's license. You probably need a passport now. Mm-hmm. So it was just like, hey, ID, boom, drive through. Was that your first time in Canada? I don't know. Might have been. What an adventurous day. Yeah. You would have loved an adventure like that. Yeah, I would. Like, you know, you would have just been like, yes. And I'm more like, what? (laughs) So anyway. Canada. So Outer Banks, speaking to young adults, um, Mm. you know, just about living, you know, for Christ, it was it was it was a good weekend, but exhausting, you know, mm-hmm. to get back. But you know. now you have a daughter who's getting married soon, who's mm-hmm. twenty, almost twenty three, twenty three, and then mm-hmm. your son who's now in college, mm-hmm. and then now another daughter mm-hmm. who's in college. Yeah. Right. So you have three around that age, I guess, of the people you were talking to. They could have all been at that conference. Yeah. Does that does that factor in when you're speaking to that group of people? Like. I don't know. Your experience with your children, does that kind of change what you say or th- what you're thinking about? Not really. I, I, you know, I'm trying to be better at communicating well with my adult children mm-hmm. in a way that I don't talk to them like they're children. Well, I'm sure they appreciate it's that a, you're thinking about It's a that, learning yeah. experience. Like, yeah. I'm not super good at it. Because at the same time, um, <clears throat> for those people who have you know, kids out of the house and older kids, like it is a transition, like into a friendship. And then it's also like, they also do need advice still. They're still learning how to live life. They're still learning how to do things. Right. Like, right. And dad, dad's advice is not extra. That's that's essential. Right. That's part of growing up. Right. Dad's advice. So like, I also have to remind myself like, okay, I'm at a conference with a bunch of young adults who need advice. Some of them are still living at home. Some of them don't you know, have consistency in certain areas of their life that, you know, like there's, mm-hmm. it's an array of different things. Like everyone has their own things that they're working on. And as a young adult, like still learning to do adult things, right. Consistently. Mm-hmm. We've all been there yeah, in some way, shape or form. Right. Well, if I could go out on a limb to make an observation about today's young people that I've noticed, and I sound like a really old curmudgeon in saying mm-hmm. that, but mm-hmm. um, I've noticed that young Catholics lower 20s, mid 20s, they seem much more open to advice than I remember being and my friends. Like, let me ask someone who's older, someone who's been through this, someone who's Mm -hmm. whatever. They seem much more open to advice, but they also seem to struggle much more with kind of basic human relationship stuff. Yeah. Um, So... Now, I would agree. I mean, you know, sort of a generalization there mm -hmm. that works, you know. I think all, you know, young adults want to pretend like they know how to do everything. They don't, mm. we don't want to feel weak or vulnerable. Like we don't know what we're doing. I think it's super important for all of us, but for young adults who are learning is to have mentors, ask questions, 
don't feel like you have to figure it out all all by yourself, you know, yeah. because it is a generation that has looked up all the answers on the internet. So their their mentor in life has been Google. Yeah. And and that's the in some figure. ways is like is like, oh, I don't know how to make cappuccino. How do I make cappuccino? Boom. There it is. I don't have to call my grandma or do anything like that. Right. So, you know, it's it but at the end of the day, like what it all boils down to is that we're we all crave human interaction and relationships. This is what mm. caused these young adults to go to the outer banks for a weekend because they're all craving like just to get with away Harry. Yeah. with Harry and have, <laughs> and have relationships. Right. Yeah. You well, know, be in relationship, yeah. but, and, but to answer your question about like the, the relational side, like I'd literally, and this is going to sound crazy. You had to be there. And if you know me, you're, I mean, like you do, you're like, yeah, that sounds like Paul, but like, <laughs> So by like the the last day, you know, I had met some people and, you know, met this one young lady who's just a few years older than my daughter, you know, late twenties or whatever, working, you know, super into her faith, just boom, you know, like living life, you know, she's talking to me about work and just different things like that. And then I'm like, this is a phenomenal young woman. Like I would think of my own daughter, right? Mm -hmm. I meet this guy and he's living life, he's single and he's just kind of like a little timid you know, and so then they meet in a group and I kind of introduce them, you know, it's just kind of like a, by the, by the third day, like the conference feels more like a, a gathering. Everybody's kind of getting to know each other. Mm -hmm. And I just looked at him. I was like, dude, you do not leave here without getting her number. Oh, wow. And he's yeah, like, that is Paul. Yeah. He's like, what? I was <laughs> like, you would be crazy to leave here without like getting her number. He's mm -hmm. like, yeah, you're right, huh? I was like, yeah, I am. Yes. Like, just do it, man. Like, there's no loss. Like, like take a, a risk. Like, mm -hmm. make a step. And you could see, like, he was like, that's exactly what I was thinking of doing. I mm -hmm. just needed someone to tell me it was okay to do that. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and he did. Good for him. Man, did, if it, they get married, we, they need to come on the podcast. I got their email. email. Okay. I was like, look. This may not work out between y'all. If it does, <laughs> I expect an invite. <laughs> I, I I expect to go That's to right. Virginia for a wedding. I don't look or just, North Carolina, wherever it was. You know, like, <laughs> and and here and here is the thing: <clears throat> we we've all have to become comfortable with taking risk in our life, mm -hmm. like to play it safe our whole life. It, is not fully being human. Every saint was risky in their approach to life mm -hmm. in, in a sense of to follow Christ and to, to be virtuous, to do holy things, to do hard things takes risk. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it really just does whether it's pursuing a career job or a relationship or to move ourselves further spiritually, emotionally, it, it takes risk and with risk comes failure and what i told him was like if it, there's nothing lost in failing at this like it's only going to help you mm -hmm. grow when as you said that i was thinking about how speaking of risk there's so many other there's so many other ways to get in touch with people now that in that scenario you go to a conference you meet people it used to be like if you didn't say something there was no you're probably never going to see this person again right but now let's say you don't say something to the woman that you want to talk to you could look her up on facebook 
Mm-hmm. You can maybe messenger like, hey, how you doing? Do that for like months. And mm-hmm. then then if you happen to see them again, like, oh, you see what I'm saying? There's so many more options to maybe one day kind of. Right. Where it used to be, if you didn't say something, that was it. You never saw them again. Yeah. And you knew it. Right. And so you had to. And I think that's part of the issue. We do, we do that with the Lord too. I mean, there's so many other options. There's more retreats. There's yeah. more men's groups I could join. You know what I'm saying? Like there's so many other things that could come later. We've forgotten what St. Paul told us about the gospel, that now is the day of salvation. Today, God right. is calling us. And we have to respond in a, in a risky way because there might not be a tomorrow. There's a phenomenal reading we're going to get to. So if you're listening, like don't <clears throat> tune out about risking spiritually and the payoff for it. You know, we're going to get to that. But, I, you know, and I may be thinking through that lens with this guy of like, from where I would have looked at it as a young adult is if she walked away, I might never see her again. There's no But that's internet, still true. No... So that's the thing. They don't realize it's true. And that's the urgency yeah. I was trying to tell them in a yeah. sense of this. You, you got to weigh it out. Would you regret not getting her number or not? And yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I would regret it. And, and then he started kind of talking through, and, and we can all learn through this, because this is what I, conclusion I came to even in my own life. Um, excuses become obstacles mm-hmm. to growth, to mm-hmm. moving forward. So then he started saying, well, you know, we live four hours apart. Like, you know, what about that? Like, so he's in his mind, he's coming up with, with excuses and those excuses become obstacles for doing something that's really could pay off. It's, it's good. It, there's no, right. Yeah. And <clears throat> she lives in a beautiful part of Virginia and he lived in, and I just looked at him and I said, here's the thing. Beauty is always worth the drive. Oh. And he goes, oh, I never thought of it that way. Mm-hmm. I was like, it's a beautiful place. She's a beautiful woman. Make the drive. Mm-hmm. Don't come up with all the excuses that become obstacles for you doing something that could have huge dividends and payoff for you. Pursuing your vocation. This exactly. is this is growing. Even if it doesn't work out, it's still growing virtue in you. It's growing courage, and you know, that's right. Uh, you know, just charity, just all all the all right. the things of of like just pushing you to to overcome fear and failure. When you talk about pursuing vocations, I mean, amongst young people, this this phenomenon of just like kind of perpetually discerning and being frustrated with that. I mean, it it's like that with your potential spouse, also people discerning religious orders or vocation. If everything's just over social media and digital, like I can discern digitally forever, searching websites about communities or vocation options. You know what I'm saying? I can just like digitally discern to death. Um, that's three D's, digital discern to death. Hmm. Um, whereas when I'm in person, you know, it's like, like if I go and I come and see, I'm coming and I'm seeing, and then God, are you asking me to do this or not? Like, take the risk to just lay it out on the line. God, I want to leave here with an answer. Because that's how he normally works. Like, God doesn't play games with us. He doesn't friend us on Facebook and, like, plays these, I'll, I'll just send him six months worth of this, and then a year after. Like, he's, he calls us to places. He calls us to people, to, right. to our future spouse, whatever. And when that calling is there, when it's on your heart to follow it, you have to follow it in the way he's calling you. Otherwise, you'll lose it. That's, that's the risk, is if you don't follow it in a risky way, you could lose God's will. Mm. Yeah. So, man, yeah, my, good advice. I yeah. love it. And a lot of this advice I've, I've learned through failure, learning my own. I, I mean, the story of, of 
Gretchen and I meeting, you know, we met through mutual friends. We kind of hit it off. And then, you know, there were no cell phones and things like that, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so distance, you're just like, I don't even know where she is or where she lives or how to look her up. You mm -hmm. know, white pages, yellow pages. Right. They're weird, right? And she always says, like, I didn't get her number. <laughs> and I didn't the first time because I just didn't, I didn't think that she was, like, interested in me. But mm -hmm. it shouldn't have mattered, right? right? Like, I right. should have just risked and got her number and even risked her not liking me. Okay, so right. like as I was growing in my own courage and uh, fear of rejection, all those things that we all work through and still working through, uh, eventually I thought the, the, the risk and the failure is worth trying to find her number and her rejecting me because I would regret n letting the possibility go. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. And then, and then I had a friend who talked me into it. Like, and that's the thing is like, we have to surround ourselves with people who are like, you can do this. I, I believe in you. And if it doesn't work out, guess what? I'm still with you. Right. I'm, I still believe in you. I'm still your friend. You know, like you're not. And I was like, okay. I, and li literally I had my, my good friend <clears throat> was like on the side of me when I called her the first time. He's like, call her. Just do it. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and from a payphone, like so, we're we're going back a way payphone. Yeah, like I had to look up her, find her number. You, you know, <laughs> like the comp, like the 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 logistics mm -hmm. were astronomical. I couldn't just direct message her on Instagram, right? Get her number, start texting her, then say, "Hey, you you mind if I call you one day?" Right? Like, no. And it, that first phone call had to had to be it. You couldn't like have many phone calls that eventually say, can we go have coffee? Like that one fun phone call was, hey, I'd like to get together. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You, you didn't have all these unlimited communications with people. Yeah. No, oh. it's great. So anyway, uh, we did get a response from a reader who, um, a, a listener, sorry, I'm thinking about books, um, <laughs> who listened to part of our show and was it Half Speed? Yeah, so last episode, I mentioned how my son and I discovered the half-speed option on podcasts mm -hmm. and uh, how hilarious it was. Right. Because if you just, a lot of people know about the double speed or like one and a half speeds, but if you, if you keep going, the last option is half-speed. And uh, anyway, I mentioned that on, and I encourage listeners to do that, and we got a response from a great guy that we both love, Brandon, Yeah, that he literally almost got in an accident laughing so hard i love brandon good friend brandon garner uh yeah he was <clears throat> i what well, you i didn't do it but you before the show you're like just listen in half speed and it's it sounds like we're drunk yes like completely intoxicated like just totally off the reservation yeah and uh i i recommend it again if you didn't do it last week just do it now put on half speed for just a few minutes and you will laugh pretty hard yeah yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty good. Yeah. Okay, uh, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll come right back. Healthcare that works better and costs less seems like an oxymoron, right? Take a minute and check out our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare. Members say that faith-based health sharing is a much better fit than insurance, all while costing less. Prices start at $384 a month for families. Call now to see how much you can save. 844-387-8533. That's 844-387-8533. 
Welcome back to the show. Paul George, Deacon Adam Conk in studio, show 218. Uh, great to be with you, Adam. You too, You Paul. just signed up for a grit group. I did. You're the last spot. <sighs> Thanks for holding that spot for me, buddy. For the Monday evening sessions, there's eight sessions. Um, Tuesday morning, there's a couple of spots left, but it closes this week. So if you're listening this week, uh, eight sessions, go to holygrit.org and it's men's groups. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Good, I can't wait. Deep, hard, you I'm know, so, like, oh yeah, I'm so glad I got in, but, but wonderful. Um, anyway, talking about taking risk, you mm-hmm. know, it's just like one of the things that, uh, I was just like, let me just put this out there for guys to journey together, including myself, you know? It it's just like sometimes you just gotta like jump, yeah, you know, and just do things. Well, I'm I'm very looking forward to men. I, I want like spiritual punches in the face. That's what I think this is gonna happen. Yeah, that's what I want. I want I want to be punched in the face by other men. Just punch the the sin and the excuses and the complacency right out of me. Yeah, just challenge me mm-hmm. to live epically boldly in my life. I mean, we we all want to kind of, you know live that way right yeah well and i think i don't know a couple months ago we had the gospel on sunday of uh the rich man and lazarus and i was thinking about how today at least most of the catholic men i know the the whole like luxury comfort thing isn't as big of an issue as just we're so busy like we don't see lazarus because we're so busy right and i think at least for me and a lot of guys i know it's the same thing with the excuses we make revolve mostly around being too busy. Right. And that's the one I want to get free of, mm-hmm. you know, through this grit group. Like I want to really wrestle with that and get that punched right out of me. That mm-hmm. um that's not an excuse, you know. Right. Um it's not like the the saints weren't busy. <laughs> you know. Very true. They were pretty busy. Yeah. It's it's so interesting because the gospel this Sunday we talk about a a, a wonderful image that I think has so many you know, just spiritual lessons in it. But as we're talking about risk, I mean, here was a a man who was just tired of the life that he was living. And he, he was willing to take a risk to see Jesus. Like, like literally, um, just as like, I'm, I'm sort of done with my way of living, my way of life. I don't know if you've ever felt that way. We we've all been there. You know, I'm just, I'm tired, I'm anxious, I'm exhausted. I've been doing things a certain way. It's time for a change. I know there's got to be something more or different, a better way, a different pattern, right? Like a different direction. All those things, right? And sort of like, you know, join the grit group. It's just, it's like, help me just kind of pop out of this this way I've been living to a little bit different, like a little bit challenge. And more so, it's a story of Zacchaeus, right? Mm-hmm. It, so many so many spiritual just elements there. Uh, he was a tax collector. Not only that, he was a chief tax collector. So, you know, he was, he was great at it. He was great at it. He was the head of it. Uh, he, you know, of course was probably felt, you know, dirty, used people, stole money, gave money away, took money from poor people, just all the things that, you know, we think about Matthew, who was a tax tax collector. Zacchaeus was, it says he was a chief tax collector and also a wealthy man who was seeking to see who Jesus was. So he had heard about Jesus and was just intrigued. It also says he was short in stature. It's a, it's a very interesting sort of um, 
element, like that, a detail that didn't have to be in there. That's right. You know, shortened stature physically, yes, but spiritually, yes. Mm-hmm. Like we're think about the ways that we're shortened stature that we're we're falling short, and I'm not talking about like in our hu- we're human, we're always falling short. You know, Saint Paul says, you know, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, right? Like. Like that's true for all of us, but spiritually short in stature, like we, we desire to grow, to see, see clearly. So he's, he's short in stature and he desires to see Jesus. And we know the image, we know the story of Zacchaeus. So he runs and he climbs a sycamore tree so that he could just see Jesus as Jesus walks by. What he wants more than anything is just to see someone who's living differently that he's heard about that he's like who is this man i i desire so much now i don't know about you or me i don't have you ever been so desperate that you climbed a tree to see something differently you know i would say not often enough i um i have been there but i think i would be a holier man and be making more progress when I was more in touch with what I am desperate about, you know, because mm-hmm. a lot of times I, I'm my personality wise, my temperament, I'm easygoing, even keel, things are fine. And um, that's sometimes helpful because people like to, you know, right. like the guy who says everything's going to work out sometimes. Right. But in another way with my, my spiritual life, it's if I really knew, for example, the weight of my sin or the shortness of my stature, I would be looking for that tree much more often, right. you know? And um, it's so important to, that, that's why I think the saints all encourage us to have a healthy awareness of our sinfulness because it keeps us looking for the tree. Mm-hmm. Healthy awareness of our shortness of stature. Not to beat ourselves up, but because it's exactly what God wants to do in our life. He wants to give us the trees. Yeah. I mean, where are we short in stature? And <clears throat> are you at that point? We should, I guess what I'm saying is we always should be at the point where we're willing to climb a tree. Yep. To, yep. to do anything. Like, is it time for me to go to confession? Is it time for me to go on that retreat? Is it time for me to go to counseling with my spouse? Is it is it time for me to take the step to um, call one of my adult kids, ask forgiveness? It, like, like what what's the tree spiritually that you know you're willing to just say I'm tired of like this and I need to do this? Let me let me climb the tree, mm-hmm. you know. And I'm thinking about that in my own life, like. Let, let me sign up for a great group. Let me go on a silent retreat. Like, let me, you know, like what's going to like, we should always be at the place. I think in our heart, we desire it, but like mm-hmm. to actually take the step. So like for Zacchaeus, like I would love to know how exhausted he was being a chief tax collector, living this life mm-hmm. that he was so desperate to see Jesus that he climbed a tree, not caring at this point what people thought of him. Mm-hmm. And he's a man of prestige. He's in the top of a tree, right? And, yeah. I'm, and I'm sure he's thinking like, oh, Jesus will pass by. I get to see this guy and, that, and, and kind of be intrigued by him. But the story gets even better. And Jesus stops in the middle of the crowd, points up into the tree, you know, mm-hmm. and looks at Zacchaeus, like eye to eye, face to face, and calls him by name. Like, hey, you know, what are you doing? You know? Mm-hmm. And um, it, it's just this beautiful imagery. Um, <clears throat> says he was short in stature, so he, he, he ran ahead, climbed a sycamore tree in order to see Jesus, who was about to pass that way. When he reached the place, Jesus looked up and said, Zacchaeus, 
Come down quickly, for today I must stay at your house. I mean, like, yeah. Calls him by name and says, I'm, I'm coming with you. I'm coming to stay at your house. You know. Well, and obviously being God, our Lord knows Zacchaeus' name. He knows each of us by name, and he calls us by that. But using his name, I think the Lord was acknowledging some, the elephant in the room. Hmm. Because a lot of people knew who Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus was as a chief tax collector because tax collectors are uh, traitors in a certain sense to the right. people, right? Like right. They're, they're working with the Romans to oppress the Jews, um, and they get personal gain from it. And so a lot of people knew who he was. It's, it, it'd be kind of like if someone did that locally in the church, right? Someone betrayed the Catholic church and started their own church or like worked with whatever. We'd all know who that person is, you know, if they were prominent. <clears throat> it was, that's why he was famous or infamous, I should say. And so Jesus saying his name, it's like he's acknowledging what everyone knows about him to be true, mm-hmm. right? Like Zacchaeus. Um, and then saying, I'm going to stay at your house tonight. Those, those worlds collide of like his, his public sin, his public disgrace, but yet his pu- the public love of God for him. And, and that changes everything for him. Now he becomes known as the guy Jesus stays with. Right. Like that's why he's famous. Yeah, I mean, I can imagine the anxiety, at least for me, of just thinking, okay, I'm a chief tax collector, a wealthy man. Jesus calls me by name in the middle of the crowd. And he says, I'm, coming, I'm staying at your house. Mm-hmm. Zacchaeus has no time to go home and clean up, maybe even hide the money that's on the tables. Right. Like fix things, like anything, like cook, get yeah. it, get it ready. Like who knows what his house looks like or what's going on or the evidence mm-hmm. of his discrepancies that are there. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is like, I don't care. I'm coming to your house and we'll talk about it. Like we'll, we'll, we'll go in. We'll just let me be in your mess. Let me, enter into your life. This is probably one of the most beautiful passages about Jesus just entering into someone's life, busy life, sinful life, yep. chaotic life without like hesitation, just like, let me come stay at your house. Right. It is beautiful. And I, I think for men in particular, there's something to this because the weight of being known for a certain reason, like the weight of being known, like I'm the good husband, I'm the good father, I'm the good boss, I'm the good worker, I'm the, you know, like this is, this is who people know me as, and I have to keep up that persona, right? Like I have to keep that going. But the, the greatest public identity by Zacchaeus in an instant was, this is the one Jesus loves. Mm. Mm. That is now his public identity. And in an instant, it changed just like that. Yeah. And there's nothing to keep up there. Right. And you're, the only thing is to, to let him in, like you just said. Just let him in your house. Let him do whatever he's going to do. It, it's really not my project. It's his love that is the project. So there's such a freedom, especially when men just put all the weight and burden of keeping up down and just let, let themselves be known as the one that Jesus loves. Yeah, and how That's do we it. know Zacchaeus was in bad shape or a sinner? It says... he. People said he has gone to stay at the house of a sinner. So mm-hmm. like, okay, there it is. <laughs> like, there it is. Uh, but Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Behold, half my possessions, Lord, I shall give to the poor. And if I have extorted anything from anyone, I shall repay it. So he has conversion mm-hmm. just by Jesus being in his presence. You know, like he, he ties, he gives away, and if he's stolen, he's going to repay it. Uh, and 
he has a conversion. Jesus says, today salvation has come to this house. I mean, that, you know, the risk that he took, the reward is greater. Mm-hmm. And for in our lives, like, when we risk for, for faith, for Jesus, for good things, for virtuous things, God will always come through. His grace will expound in our lives. It, it'll grow, you know. And so if you're facing a threshold and you're just like, I'm afraid, like, like God will take care of you, you yeah. know. Uh, if, if you're risking for the good, if you're risking for the beautiful, if you're risking for the great, if you're risking in faith to, to grow, to love, to be courageous, like God will never leave us stranded, you know? And oftentimes we just stand at that threshold with our toes kind of over the edge and being like, I, I don't know if I can do it. You know, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know. Like, you know, and, you know, I love the fact that he just risked. He just, he just climbed the tree and God took care of the rest. Well, and to tie it into uh, your adventure in Virginia, North Carolina, God's will is always the the perfect will of God for me, the one where if I'm going to say yes to him completely, this is what he wants my life to be, like in other words, living like a saint, is always going to be a surprise to me. Right. It's not going to be something I planned. Yeah. Like you planned to go to Virginia, you ended up in North Carolina. The Outer Banks. Zacchaeus planned to go to work that day. He ended up hosting the Lord and Savior at his house that night. Like that was not part of his plan at all. Right. And one a practice that you know... um. But like a lot of missions, particularly um, lay missions, train people in this practice of at the end of the day, ask the question or talk to the group, where did you see Jesus today? Mm. Right? You know about this practice. Mm -hmm. To me, this keeps us oriented correctly that we're always looking for the surprises that Jesus is going to bring throughout the day Mm -hmm. and kind of let that be our focus. And that seems to be the path of conversion because if i'm looking for where jesus is going to surprise me today the god of surprises what what does that actually mean that means i'm looking for his plan not my plan and that's the plan that's going to change me that's the plan that turns me from the public center in the morning to the saved saint in the evening is god's plan right so i have to be looking for surprises it's not just we don't just desire adventures we don't just desire to be pushed to the edge. We desire God and his will for us, which is adventurous, which does push us to the edge, but it's his plan. Right. The God of surprises. If the you God will. of surprises. All right, Surprise. speaking of surprises, why don't you <clears throat> surprise me and us, all of us, with a weird Catholic stuff. What? Yeah. That, that's not true. It is very true. Really? Mm-hmm. You Catholics are weird people. I know. You do some weird things. I know. Weird Catholic stuff! Okay. All right, so... Um, what do you got? Okay, so this, this one I kind of enjoy. Uh, in the 13... You know how there's different fads in the church, liturgical fads, let's say, that right. come and go? You know about this. Yep. We've lived mm-hmm. long enough to see a few in our lifetime. Mm-hmm. Well, how about this fad from the 13th century? Okay. Okay. It's pretty weird. There was a uh, growing fad in the Norwegian area amongst Catholics where there was little water. They're having some kind of drought to start using beer to baptize their babies. Really? Yes. And it became so popular, (laughs) the beer baptisms. This is amazing to me right now. Yeah. Is this true? 
It is true. They ran out of, like, well, you have to have water to make beer, don't you? Yeah, but um, I think that's a good point. I don't know how they got their beer, but they had much more beer than water. That was the case. Okay, so they needed to, like, <laughs> save the water. Right. The fresh water, I guess. Maybe they brewed a lot of beer, and then the, the drought hit, so they had all these barrels of beer. I don't know how beer went mm. back, kegs of beer. I don't know. Um, but then they had a little fresh water. So they... Um, I would have loved to be baptized in beer. <laughs> and not like, you know, light beer. This was, this was 13th century beer. This was mm-hmm. like the real stuff. Um, it became so great of a practice that Pope Gregory IX had to intervene. So it was a, obviously a sacramental discrepancy. <laughs> it's not something you should do, by the way, out there. But this is amazing. Have you ever heard of like... A, butt beer chicken you know you show oh, yeah a, you know a beer can in the in the you know corcus of a chicken and mm-hmm. you let it cook and the, and the beer just kind of like seeps into the it cooks into it so the yeah. alcohol's out but yeah well maybe that's baptizing chickens so <laughs> so pope gregor the ninth wrote a letter to the archbishop of the norwegian city of trondheim 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 <laughs> i guess i'm saying that trondheim norway trondheim um that has an epic quote in it, and that's what I want to share. Please. Our quote of the day. Please. So here's from Pope Gregory the Ninth. Since according to the gospel teaching, a man must be born again of water and the Holy Ghost, those are not to be considered validly baptized who have been baptized with beer. Mm. Wow. That a Pope had to, like, you know, that, that was the, issue, the liturgical issue of the day. That was, that was it. <laughs> <laughs> Those who have been baptized with beer. You know, it's interesting. Uh, it's so funny because we celebrate a saint this week on October 29th, Saint Narcissus of Jerusalem. Narcissus? N-A-R-C-I-S-S-U-S. Narcissus, yeah. I mean, I don't... Wow, <clears throat> I've never heard of that. I wonder what the root word of narcissus is, the narcissism, you know. That's a good point. I've never thought maybe, about maybe it. Maybe look it up, you know. Norse. Okay, so he, he was early... Second century in in life in the second and third century, it's like two hundred sixteen. He died. At Jerusalem, Saint Narcissus managed. Check this out. To live beyond a hundred. Some speculate he lived to one hundred and sixty. This is in the second century. Wow. Maybe they forgot some years. Whatever. Whatever. Um. But yeah. That but, is pretty but, old. Okay, so here's what I'm getting to that's tied into the weird Catholic stuff because this is weird. Okay, so details of a, his life are a little sketchy, it says. But there are reports of miracles f- for him, St. Narcissus of Jerusalem. The miracle of which Narcissus is most remembered was turning water into oil for use in the church's lamps on Holy Saturday when the deacons, Adam, mm-hmm. had forgotten to provide it. Sounds like deacons. Sounds like deacons. That's awesome. So yeah. He, yeah, he can be the patron saint of, uh, of bad deacons. So, bad, bad deacons. Yeah. So, so all they had was water, and he's like, yeah, no, oil. And the, the miracle is he turned water into oils for the lamps, you know, because that's how that's they said pretty they good. didn't have electricity. You know. That's awesome. That's a pretty cool miracle. That is a pretty, uh, that's, that's, that's great ability. Man. Yeah, I mean, look. I've I've made many a mistake as deacons, and sometimes you. Uh, it, it's the kind of scenario where like 
You know that phrase, you only had one job? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It comes into play. <laughs> yeah, you only had one job. Like Deacon Adam, you only had one job here. Well, just be clear what my job was. <laughs> I didn't know I was supposed to bring oil for the lamps, you know? But in, unless you did. So he saved the deacons and performed a miracle. He became bishop in Jerusalem in the second century. Bishop of Jerusalem, not bad. Obviously, he was an extremely healthy man. Uh, he lived, um, you know, beyond 100. Well, if he could turn water into oil, he could probably turn, like, his aging into youth or something like that. Mm-hmm. These miracle people. I wonder if he turned water into beer. This is what I'm getting at. But he didn't baptize with beer. Like, that is, right. you know, like, you know, as a <clears throat> ordained minister, like, you know that there's certain, like, elements have to be... Mm-hmm consistent for the sacraments well, like, a lot of like the bread yeah. has unleavened like certain you know wine right. is a certain wine certain alcohol content right like well a lot of people are surprised to hear how controversial things like this have been for 2000 years like today we have a neat code of canon law that says you can only baptize with water can't be anything else beer or whatever like it's in there yeah well we didn't always have like a neat little code book that told you that and so a lot of people have tried some strange stuff well i mean you know, maybe back in the day, there it was like, well, there's, Father, there's, there's water in beer, mm-hmm. so let's just use that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But with the Eucharist, probably one of the strangest things I've heard is rye bread was used by a certain people for a while instead of wheat bread, mm-hmm. and I don't even know what rye is. Do you yeah. even know what rye is? Well, if you think of rye bread, it's got like certain seeds in it, and it's a different. So there's no wheat? Hmm. Yeah, but I don't know if you a few years ago there was a a priest who did lots of baptisms over the years. Yeah. And he said one word wrong? Was that mm-hmm. what it was within the baptismal rite? And then the bishop yeah, he had said, to go back and baptize you the, instead of I baptize you. They were you. all invalid baptisms? Yeah. Which yeah. is which is crazy. Like I understand like the one word was off, but like in a lot of ways, like the church says, like baptism by desire, like mm-hmm. I can baptize someone if they're about to die mm-hmm. and it's valid. Yep. But this wasn't valid, even though the desire to baptize, baptize was right, but he just used the wrong word mm-hmm. unless he used it intentionally to, you know, to like rebel. I don't know. Like, it's mm-hmm. just, I just remember that and been like, wow. <laughs> oh yeah. So they had to go back and contact everyone that had been baptized by him through all the baptismal records. Yep. And then rebaptize. Just like the beer thing. You Just know, they like had to the send thing. letters to everybody like, "Hey, hey, you were doused in beer." <laughs> if that was the case, everyone would get baptized at Mardi Gras. Yeah. Which I mean, they're all in one place. Let's do it. You know, group baptisms. Just start sprinkling the Just beer sprinkling on everybody. Sprinkling the beer. Everyone's baptized, you know, smelling like beer. It's It's horrible. (laughs) Well, I mean, it is, uh, it seems like it's nitpicky or kind of, you know, let's, we're quabbling about things that aren't that important, but always remember that our Lord bled and died to institute the sacraments. Right. So there's a certain amount of weight to how they are performed, why they're performed, and what manner that our Lord himself died to institute, Mm -hmm. right? So it's not... If there's not consistency, then... There, there'll be people will just slowly drift off the reservation, and mm-hmm. then they'll baptizing before we know it, baptizing with beer. That's right. That happened. You know. Yeah, and I mean, it's kind of this. You know, in the natural life, this is true. Like for example, 
um, if I asked a girl to marry me, okay, and I said, uh, will you um, be my one and only? Mm. And she says, yes. And then I'm like, okay, well, when are we getting married? And she said, well, wait, what are you talking about? You just asked me to be your one and only. What about this marriage? So in other words, words matter, right? Like what I'm communicating in a relationship of very, uh, of a huge amount of importance. This is why we don't important. write our own wedding vows. That's right. You know, That's in, right. in the Catholic church and sacrament, I was like, you know, yeah, you know, it's be like, oh, will you be my one and only? <laughs> Check yes or no. Right. It's like, no, like there's, there's words of, you know, institution for the sacraments, for, for all the things that, because the Lord's at the center of it, yep. not us. That's right. what we got to remember. Like if, if right. I was at the center of baptism, beer, <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Right. I'll have a Merlot baptism. Please. Coffee. You know, I yeah. just do whatever I want. Espresso baptism. But as you're saying, Jesus is at the center of, of it, of the sacrament. And Jesus was at the center of the conversation with Zacchaeus. That's right. The conversion happened because Jesus went into the center of his life, his home, and Zacchaeus had a conversion. The The face of sacrament was with him. Right. Jesus. And our Lord, in talking to Zacchaeus, chose his words very carefully from all eternity. He knew what he was saying. He knew who would hear it. He knew how it would touch Zacchaeus and everyone else. His words matter to him because he's God. And every word he speaks is him, right? Like Jesus is the word of God. Mm -hmm. And so when our Lord opens his mouth, this is not haphazard. There's no casual talk for our Lord. It's all chosen from all eternity um, to express his love for us and to call us to salvation. And so words matter. And words matter in sacraments. Words matter in preaching the gospel. You know, like heresy is not a little problem. Right. If we get the gospel content wrong... We're betraying the Lord who bled and died that the church would go out and preach the gospel to all nations. It's the beauty of the church. We don't, we don't have to interpret scripture ourselves. It's not self-revelation. Mm -hmm. yeah. The scriptures there are speaking to us. We need to read it, read the gospels, let the Lord speak to us in prayer. Right. But we don't have to interpret it. It already is. The Lord, it, it, and that's the beauty of it. It keeps me focused on the truth of the words and the gospel and Jesus not having to figure it out on my own. Well, remember, there's a difference between preaching and interpreting. And I think, I guess, I don't know, in the church today, we, I don't know, we're getting better at this, but I remember a time where, pretty recently, where maybe we'd gotten off track a good bit in our country on the Catholic faith in general. Like, we were all pretty wishy-washy on it. Mm -hmm. We didn't know what the church taught about much. And so, understanding and interpreting God's revelation was kind of front and center. Like, what does the church actually teach about X, right? Right. But what you're bringing up is so important because none of us are baptized to interpret the gospel, but all of us are baptized to preach it. Hmm. Every one of us. We're baptized. We're at our baptism, literally. The celebrant traces the sign of the cross on our lips and says we're gonna that we would proclaim the gospel. Hmm. And um, you know, not that interpreting or seeking to interpret or understanding what the church teaches is important. It's supremely important. In fact, before the mouth blessing, there's an ear blessing that we would hear the word of God and, and understand it, right? But the call, the duty, the reason we hear it is that we need to open our mouth and proclaim it. And proclaim it with our own personal witness, like you said, what the Lord is saying to us in prayer, what the Lord has done for us in our life. But we have a weight, we have a responsibility to preach the gospel, which Amen. is not just sharing interpretations. All right. Take a quick break and we'll be right back. Paying too much for health care and supporting services you don't believe in? 
Our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare, has prices that are 60% less than the nation's average cost of healthcare. Join the nation's leading healthcare sharing ministry built by people of faith for people of faith, saving money through ethical and affordable healthcare. Call now to see how much you can save at 844-387-8533. That's Solidarity HealthShare, 844-387-8533. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you. Paul George, Deacon Adam Conk in studio. Thanks for listening in on the podcast. Feel free to share it iTunes, Spotify, um, and on the radio here at KLFT Radio, all over Acadiana. All over. Okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to do a quick round of six-pack. Question. All right, let's do this. Rapid fire. Question number one, When give me your exact reaction when you first realized that you were going to be in North Carolina rather than Virginia. Um, I was like, where Outer Banks, there's a show, Outer Banks, people die. I'm going <laughs> like where, yeah, I was just like, okay, I've done this so many times. I've just hop in a car, picking me up and just take me where I'm going and let me just do the work I'm there to do. <laughs> All right. Question number two. So we talked about, uh, Zacchaeus climbing a tree. Um, what, what's like the common tree that most guys need to climb up these days like yeah. i know you've worked lately you've been focusing a lot on men's ministry what's what's kind of a common tree we all need to climb up on so i'm not physically short in stature i no, can't relate not. to zacchaeus like i could see over a crowd and see jesus but like the spiritual shortness really gets to me like what you know we're all spiritually you know um short in stature what do i need to do i think for for guys like there's two things i'm hearing as guys are signing up for the great groups is one I really need to journey with other men and be challenged because I know that that's good for me. And two, there are some areas in my life that I definitely know I need to grow in. I'm, I'm self-aware of them and I just don't know what the next step is. And that's a good thing. And I'm like, yes, that's what we all need. Mm. All right. Question number three, <clears throat> we talked about baptism by beer. Um, so assuming we've all been validly baptized with water, um, what's, What's true about this baptismal call to sharing the gospel that most of us struggle with remembering as, you know, especially lay people in the world? Like, what does every lay person need to understand about that baptismal call to preach the gospel? Well, we're baptized as priest, prophet, and king. So the, the, the we're into royalty and as prophet to share, to speak the word, you know, like that's our baptismal call. But we have to nurture that baptismal call. We have to grow in it, learn, study, risk, be confident. But we're all baptized into the missional life of the church, right? And if you look around the church today, like it's going to grow and thrive because the average person, the lay person is going to live out that baptismal call to raise their families in the faith, to share gospel in their neighborhoods. We can't just leave it to clergy. It has to be all of us. Mm -hmm. All right, question number four, you mentioned uh, St. Narcissus or Narcissus of Jerusalem, and he turned water into uh, oil. Tell me about this uh, fear of failure that everybody has. Like the deacons failed that day, right? Mm -hmm. And then a miracle came. Yep. <laughs> Tell me about this fear of failure that seems to cripple us. Well, I think the beauty of it is that God <clears throat> provides miracles 
despite us, right? Mm. Like all Zacchaeus did was climb the tree and God did the rest. And we've talked about this on the show, like grace and nature work together. Like, like we, we, we have to, you know, desire change and, and just say, okay, God, like you just provide the way, like take care of it. You know, God can, I mean, what does God do with the Eucharist as we were talking about the sacrament? He takes just, you know, just crumbled bread, you know, just fragments of unleavened and, and (laughs) provides Mm -hmm. himself. Like if that's not a sign of God, just being able to take little fragments and do miracles with it. Like that's what he does with our life. He just takes the little fragments we have and, and, and provides. Question number five, the bishops of the U S are calling us into this three year Eucharistic revival. And I just, you just brought up the Eucharist. I think it's interesting that it's like in the Eucharist every day, Jesus says, Hey, I'm going to come stay in your house through the Eucharist. Mm -hmm. And yet, um, connect that, connect those dots. Like how is that mystery, that call to the Eucharist, um, related to what we heard in Zacchaeus and this, this idea of Jesus coming into our house as, as it is, you know? Yeah. I mean, we, we say the, we even say that line at mass, right? Mm -hmm. Lord, I am not worthy to receive you under my roof, which is from scripture, Mm. but only say the word, right? Wow. You know, so Jesus literally went under the roof of Zacchaeus, um, into his house and provided what himself, and Zacchaeus' conversion happened just being in the presence of the Lord. Wow, that's awesome. All right, question number six. Uh, you said there's like two spots left on the Tuesday Grit Group. So there are two guys listening right now who are going to sign up, but they need to hear something from you. What do they need to hear from you? Well, it's Tuesday mornings is the spots, 7 a.m., you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but why should so they do it? Check time. Well, a couple of guys signed up, and I asked them that question. And they were just, they just said, like, I was looking for something. And, like, I just signed up immediately before I said no. Oh, wow. You know, like, before I started making excuses. And I go back to that. Like, in our life, like, excuses become obstacles for us doing things. You know, I'm tired. I'm hungry. I'm lonely. I don't know this. I don't have that. I don't know that. Da, 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 right? Mm-hmm. And then those excuses, we, we justify those excuses and to become obstacles. And then we're just like, yeah, I just can't do it. So, like. Just eliminate your excuses and the obstacles will go away and then you just do it. And it could be a grit group or it could be other things that you need to do. But like, yeah, just do that. Man, we did it. Six questions and like was that six the right or amount five of time. Or oh, that was six? That was six. Wow. Awesome. Well done. Yeah. Thanks everyone for listening to the show. Feel free to share it. Uh, be a part of it. Um, thanks to Deacon Adam, you know, for, you know, even in being a messy deacon. God does miracles in your life. All the time. That's the only deacon I am. (laughs) Messy deacon. That's all you can be. Yeah. Uh, So anyway, uh, thanks, guys. Uh, You can find out uh, more information at holygrid.com or paulgeorge.la. And we'll be back next week. God bless. God bless.